Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 64. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here as usual with my site editor, Peter Lotion, to discuss an assortment of goings on in the information security industry. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. I'm glad that you're here today because we actually were going to do an update on a story that we've been following for a, a, a quite a while now and have done a few podcasts on. And then we're going to dive into another issue that we have previously also done a podcast on, but expand on it a little. And the first item that we're going to talk about today, Peter, is one that's near and dear to your heart. I know you love talking about this and writing about it. Semantic and its uh, web certificate business. And what is the latest here? We have a couple of things going on, apparently. Okay. Well, yeah, it, you surprised me with how long it's been since we have talked about it. Yes. But, uh, yeah, a couple of developments. About a, w- a week or so ago, we found out that there are actually Reuters reported, uh, the news service reported that uh, they spoke to s- three people, I believe, with, yep. with insider information who, uh, told, who informed Reuters that Symantec would be, was trying to, s- to uh, find a buyer for its certificate business. Yep. Uh, they said that they were shopping it around to other certificate authorities as well as um, equity. Private equity, yeah. Private equity, mm-hmm. yes. And uh, that was a very interesting story. And there was absolutely no confirmation from anybody. Uh, Symantec, first of all, because obviously if you're trying to sell, if you're yeah. a public company and you're yeah. trying to sell a piece of your business off, you're you not can't. supposed to talk you, about you're it. You're not supposed to talk about it. Right. So, um, but... But not only that, but what you 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 just did a story, or you're working on a story, or, or soon to be published story, where you asked around about. That's right. I did ask around. No I one, had. no one bit, unfortunately. Well, I did get some really interesting comments from some of the CAs that I talked to, yeah. but uh, when I asked them about uh, the valuation of the business at around a billion or possibly more, which is what the the um, the Reuters story put it at. Uh, As well as the the estimated revenues from the business, which is around four hundred million. Four hundred million, which right. doesn't. I mean, I, I guess it's around what I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, it's it's respectable, and it's uh, it's not a negligible portion of Symantec's business, but it's about ten percent of their overall uh, revenue. Sure. Um, but uh, it's still it, it's still interesting what's going on there. Uh, uh, we have Symantec's uh, gross. Um, Market value is about eighteen or nineteen billion, mm-hmm. and they're selling and they're trying to sell their certificate business for about a billion. Mm-hmm. That's about five percent of their business, uh, whereas the four hundred million revenue is about ten percent of their revenue. So, either uh, it's not very profitable, and they're trying to unload it, um, in which case I'm not sure why anyone Someone would want to buy it. it. But in any case, I did get I did get comments, but basically everybody I talked to said. If they did respond on the valuations, they said, "Yeah, that sounds about right." But uh, you know, right. they're otherwise, uh, yeah, no comment. Um, the sale—that's that's kind of a non-story. But the real story is that the Symantec, uh, about two weeks after they said that they would be coming out in a week or so with some more information, uh, came out with some more information. Actually, it's almost three weeks. Yeah, um, yeah. on their transition to right. another subsidiary. Certificate authority, subordinate uh, certificate authority, right? Yep. To or or more than one, 
to take over uh, the operations uh, for certificate issuance. And the way they phrased it June 30th, or after, after the June 30th meeting they had with, Net, with Mozilla over, over their plans, uh, we were expecting that they'd come out and give some details. What they actually gave was, uh, um, we're still working on it. We're going to choose somebody in a couple of weeks. But they committed um, to. They, they did. They did say they didn't commit to the August eighth deadline. No, but they committed to the plan of offloading that they, they operation to a third party. Yeah, but they're not. You know, the they same. Said, we'll way do it, but we need some dates pushed back and. They never actually came out and said we are we are warmly embracing this plan and we we plan to do it on such and such a date, um, but that's the implication yep. uh, of their statements. So there, that's the three minute uh, semantic update. Longer than three minutes, but yeah, you oh, was it? No, okay. just a little bit. Okay. But that's that's interesting. <laughs> thank you for the update. Well, thank you for letting me do it. Yes. Well, yeah, you're sitting there going, ah. Oh, covering all this uh, <laughs> these shenanigans um, but if 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 we weren't if there weren't shenanigans and things going on then it's true we wouldn't have jobs it's true it's so. true well uh, our, I guess our big topic our main topic for this week is uh, I'm revisiting a storyline that we covered not too long ago a few weeks ago with the RNC voter database uh, exposure in which a couple of data analytics firms, one in particular that was used by the Republican National Committee, they accidentally uh, put some, well, they didn't accidentally put the data on Amazon S3. They, they, they created an Amazon Web Services simple storage service uh, uh, bucket uh, to put some very valuable data, about 200 million American voter uh, profiles so not just the public information that comes with your voter ID, you know, your voter uh, registration, but also some analytics and some other information that was tied to that profile that really kind of private. The data was, it should not be made public, but unfortunately it was exposed to the public because the analytics firm in question apparently did something to their S3 bucket and uh, misconfigured it. Uh, shared it uh, more broadly than they in intended, and it was publicly searchable on the internet. So anybody looking for this thing could find it. And Chris Vickery at cybersecurity uh, cyber firm UpGuard, who we've, be, we've become well acquainted with over the last few weeks, and I guess the last couple months, ha uh, once again found, was, was scanning the internet for exposed S3 buckets, and he found this one. And he found others too, and he's been finding others. So he found uh, the Booz Allen Hamilton one, Department of Defense. Department of Defense data. Yes. Booz Allen Hamilton, big government contractor, just open S3 bucket with uh, users' SSH keys as well as confidential classified information from the DOD. Right. You're you're doing the face palm. The the users, <laughs> the <laughs> listeners, and the. And the readers can't can't hear uh, uh, you slapping your head, or maybe they can. They can't definitely can't see it. I was afraid to do it uh, so that it would be audible because yeah, then I would might hurt myself. Yeah, but let yeah. it be stated for the record that you wanted to do an audible head slap, <laughs> face palm. Uh, so so Chris uh, 
found that he found I think it was WWE the big wrestling uh, entertainment you know world wrestling entertainment uh, outfit did something similar Verizon, Verizon yeah. that happened recently where a third party firm I believe it was a, an Israeli um, uh, company that, that sort of handled some of their data did the same thing uploaded a bunch of sensitive data to an S3 bucket and then for whatever reason this got exposed to the public no passwords no permissions no access control, no roadblocks. If you knew the address or you stumbled across the address, you could go right to this bucket and just start downloading data, viewing the data, whatever you want to do. And lo and behold, he found another one. And these just keep trickling out, and I love it. It's great. So Chris found another, another one recently. It was <laughs> the Dow Jones. <laughs> Dow Jones and company. I, this, is, this is just its crazy to me. They made a similar error where they it, it was a, I think it was at least 2.2 million customers uh, data for for uh, uh, Dow Jones customers so so subscribers to uh, Wall Street Journal and other publications that are owned by Dow Jones and it could be as many as four million accounts according to UpGuard but portions of credit card numbers email addresses physical addresses there's four digits of the credit card numbers but apparently there could be more credit card data in there as well and just just a lot of personal data about these account holders and so we've had a rash a run of several of these high-profile s3 exposures and I have my own thoughts on this but Peter I want your thoughts I want your <laughs> reaction to this all right, so we've, as we've been investigating the story, we've been taught, we, we've been looking at how these things happen. Yeah. And part of the problem, as I understand it, is that the person who created the bucket, and and populated with data, uh, probably wanted to share it with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, in probably all of these cases, I want to say because why would you put anything up on the cloud unless you want to share it with other people across the internet? Yeah, I mean, people don't typically use an S3 bucket as sort of isolated cloud backup. And that's not what these organizations were doing. Right. Uh, so, But they were putting the data up and they were sharing it with yep. somebody. Mm -hmm. Now, rather than, rather than go through the process of setting up accounts and authorizations and authentication and, and uh, all that stuff, mm. It's so much easier just to flip the button that says make it public and just don't publicize the URL because obviously if, as long as nobody has the URL they can't get to the to the data right uh, and if, and yeah you're you know true it's all these these things are all true and people should know better when they're setting these things up but obviously it's just for it's just going to be a, a certain amount of data it's just going to be because these three people need it, and I don't want to. I'd have to contact them, and yeah. it's just so much easier if I just turn it on, and I'll rem and I'm sure I'll remember to turn it off again after everybody got their data that they. Needed. I hadn't actually considered that. That's a great point. Maybe they only meant to make it. You know, who knows? There's a, there's five or six of these high profile incidents, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the only thing we know about about sort of the internal workings here is that a couple of organizations referred to this as an internal error. And I think I think Verizon might have termed it an internal error. I don't know about uh, Dow Jones. I know they confirmed the incident, but 
Well, or yeah, that they may have they may have done it temporarily and just forgot to switch it back off. But or, or the, maybe they were contractors and they they turned it on so that they could share the data that they were supposed to, and then the next day they got a, a pink slip in their in their yeah, inbox yeah. and they were told your your services are, are no longer required. But Mike Mike Heller Michael Heller our senior news senior senior reporter Mike reporter, Heller yeah um, he made a good point about how in YouTube. You can make a, a video available to other people, right? Um, with as, l but only to people that know what the URL is, mm. and you get sort of, you know, you get one of those um, Bitly-looking kind of yep. random-looking URLs. That's fine for a, for a video. Like if I put up a, for example, I do that all the time. If I put a video up of one of my kids doing something, so the grandma and grandpa can look at it. I'll do it that way because I don't want it to be public necessarily, but I also don't want to have to go through the process of whatever whatever process of, of having people log in yeah, or yeah. authorizing or saying these are the only people that can use it. Sure. It's just easier to do it that way. It's like so doing Flickr or some other photo sharing thing that you you know you need to share with specific people. But Right, but that's not what, that's not what S3 happened. is. That's not what, what the cloud is supposed that, that, to be I mean, this would be like, and I'm not going to say the name of the service we use, but... We use a service for editorial operations. That would be like me uploading all of the sensitive sort of, you know, stories that we're working on, or all, all the archives, everything that we've written this year, let's say. And I upload it to the cloud where it's hosted. And I, I turn around and say, uh, here, here's the link to our full, <laughs> to our folder. No one knows what it is, but we're just going to open it up to the public, and you don't need a password. You don't need to log into our cloud service or SSO or any of that to get to it. But you know, as long as people don't know the URL, they can just you know we're safe. That's not that's that's crazy. And again, <laughs> we're not saying that that's what people did here, but it, it it's strange because. And we pointed this out m numerous times. I think Mike pointed out in his story. Definitely pointed out in his story. I've talked about this ad nauseum on on Slack and uh, on Twitter as well. When you create an S3 bucket, it is private by default. The only person that can access that bucket is the person, the account, the AWS account holder that created it. It is locked down from the start. So I don't understand what's going on here, and it's interesting because. AWS, Amazon is considered by many to be top-notch for cloud security, the best of the best. And I don't disagree with it. I, I don't know if I, I'd put them as far ahead of everyone else as, as some folks, but a lot of the people in the analyst community and the InfoSec community feel that Amazon has just done an outstanding job with this stuff. And one place that they've excelled recently is with their IAM stuff. They say their documentation for... Specifically, for, I'm looking right at it. Amazon S3 resources, managing access permissions. If I can read this and make sense of it, I'm just a journalist. I'm a lowly tech reporter. If, oh, come on. Don't sell yourself short. Okay. You're, 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 a, I'm a, you're a tech I'm a, reporter. I'm a good tech reporter. You're, okay. you're a I'm good just a tech reporter? No, Thanks you're a me. good tech Thank reporter you. and editor. Anyway, uh, yeah. So it, the documentation is, is, is it's almost deceptively easy to, to sort of read and figure out. And one of the things it says is, by default, all Amazon S3 resources, including buckets, objects, and related sub-resources are private 
only the resource owner, an AWS account that created it, can access the resource. The resource owner can optionally grant access permissions to others by writing an access policy. What I assume happened here is that whoever was doing the sharing did so in a manner that they 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 misconfigured the settings. They they wrote a policy, a, a permissions policy, an access policy for that S3 bucket that was that was that was incorrect. That that, that you know they wanted to share it, but they made it super shareable. They made it totally shareable, and. This is the thing that I'm really, really stuck on. How is it? How did this happen to to companies, to, to major companies, high-profile instances, five of them, in recent weeks that we how know did, of? That we know of. That how, and who's to say that that I joke? I know I called him this before, but he's he is he's like a, he's like the Tavis Ormandy of of, of <laughs> S3 of cloud exposures. We need a new. We need a nickname for him. I know we call uh, uh, Ormandy the Grim Reaper, but we need something for for Chris. Um, who's to say he's not going to find more? And the thing I don't understand is how are these companies making these mistakes, and how long have they been doing it? That's what I don't understand. Well, I, go ahead. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Do you have an Amazon Cloud account? Not currently. But you have had one. Uh, a while back. Yeah. Okay. Actually, well, I need to make sure it's fully you probably should. purged. Yes, you probably should. Which, but but the thing yeah. is that you, I mean, if I said, Rob, we need a we need a cloud bucket for you know for something to put all our stuff in. Yeah, can you set that up for me? Not that I would do that to you. You might. Oh say yeah. That to me, I mean, again, it's easy. It's, it's easy, right? It's really easy. It's it's one of the reasons that I think AWS is so widely adopted in S three in particular. It's really user friendly. It's really easy to read the stuff, to figure out what you need to do, and to do it. So here's my conjecture on this. Yes. The guy, the CISO at Verizon, was yes. not involved in putting that data up in it's, that bucket. I, the CISO at Booz Allen or DOD, those people, or any Security, cybersecurity sure. professional was probably sure. not involved in those things. They were probably done ad hoc by somebody who has a lot of different hats who said or who was tasked with it and told, here, make this available to these people. Yeah. And they had a lot of other things to do that day, like get coffee for the bosses or <laughs> – or I don't know, run off some uh, minios or sure, you know, whatever it was. But th but these are people that you know they're not people that are sitting there waiting for cyber no, tasks. No. They're they're people that are doing work and and they're using the tools that are available to them and they're trying to do it in a, as efficient a, a manner as possible. And maybe they, when they got to the part about writing an, a, a, an access control list, they kind of said, oh well, I'll just make it available to everybody because that's easy and I'll and I'll fix it. <sighs> Next week, or I I'll mean, call somebody up, or whatever. It's possible. I, That's I, chilling. The thing is that I don't think that somebody who is trained in cyber at any level is likely to have done that. I it, not in 2017. I, I agree with you, and I I wonder though. I don't. Okay, you could say, oh, the the folks at Booz Allen Hamilton, what are they doing? 
putting their SSH keys in, in you know, in the in that folder with those documents and oh, that the heads yeah, the head, that, the head slap. Don't do the head slap. Okay. <laughs> it, it could throw off the this the microphone sound. Yeah, but I do wonder. I mean, is it the fault of the person that set up the these buckets, or is it the fault? Of the organization of, of their of their infosec team of the of the policy like surely it, like in this case the, the the Dow Jones they didn't have a, a security policy in place that said we're not going to put I mean exposing customer data can get you in trouble can they go don't to jail have a, they don't have a compliance program they don't have an infosec you know, data governance policy that says you, like if you're uploading something something in the cloud, it needs to be approved by the InfoSec team or it needs to be reviewed or so, like someone in on that enterprise security team needs to review this and needs to make sure that there's proper access controls. You just can't do it willy nilly. I find that hard to believe. Like I find that so, but that's sort of the conclusion that I'm left with. If there's that many companies, and again, it's only five that we know of, but it's five that have happened in succession over the last couple of weeks, and it's it's this is bad. So you're you're left kind of wondering, is it is it these people just that, that are doing the uploading, creating the S three bucks, don't know what they're doing, or or is it that there was no process in place at these companies to review the transfer of this data and the, and the protection or lack of protection of this data to the cloud. And I, I don't know, and, and I I will say that I think, you know, in terms of, of, of parsing the blame, it's hard. It's I, I, I was looking, I, I, I said, there's gotta be something going on here. You remember the MongoDB, uh, the, the database exposures? There was mm -hmm. tens of thousands of exposures. And mm -hmm. I said, people can't, like the, the MongoDB users, there can't be that many people that don't know what they're doing that expose all these databases and misconfigure them to the public. And lo and behold, it turns out that there were some other extenuating circumstances that had to do, I think, with an update or a change in settings that confused things a little. So it wasn't entirely on the users. I, I'm looking into this, and I, I can't find anything that says, oh, well, Amazon changed this or Amazon should have done this. It's just it's really it's really mind boggling. So you're, you're left kind of wondering, well, how bad are the infosec? Or, or how inadequate are the infosec policies as they pertain to the cloud at some of these organizations? Or what are they not doing to prevent something like this? Well, okay, so you were asking whether the blame lies with the users or with the, the, the infosec people. And, I'll, and my response to that is, well, why not both? But also, uh, I think the, the executive suite the people who are running these companies have to decide whether or not this is acceptable. Yeah. If it's not acceptable to have these these uh, leaks or potential leaks or uh, potential breaches or loss of control over their data, if, if the top management executive level people in a company say this is okay, then you can't blame the rest of the you can't blame the people that are that are going in uh, every day and working for a paycheck. Yeah. Um, you can't blame them until the executive level says, okay, this is what how it's going to be. We've got to be cyber smart. And I think, I think that's the key. Until, until there's, there's, a, there's a bottom line effect. And, and yeah, we've, we've seen companies, FedEx had a bottom yeah. line effect from 
the ransomware. The ransomware. Not heads. Yeah. Yes, and I think there were there there are probably a couple other companies, sure. tech companies that are that have real actual real world losses. Yeah. Yeah. As a result of that, and I I don't. It's not that's not going to get any better. That's not going to improve by itself. It's not going to improve until from the very top, tippy top down. Right. There's, there's mandates for being cyber smart, and if that if that were the case, then you would probably have people who are about to open up an ad hoc uh, Amazon web services bucket with sensitive data. They might think twice about it, yeah. or they might at least call up the information security group. Yeah, and those people would have enough resources to be able to respond. Right, right, and and here's where. You know, I, I said it's hard to find blame for Amazon on this. I, w- I will note that in, in Mike Heller's story, in his initial story on this, he, he talked to Rich Mogul of, of Securosis, an analyst and uh, uh, CEO of Securosis as well. He, he had an interesting thought. He said, and, he, and I, I should say Rich knows as much about AWS security as anyone in the analyst community. He is... He is uh, he is neck deep in this stuff. He really knows what's going on with AWS. And he said uh, something interesting about sort of, you know, Amazon's role, I guess, in this. Quote, while users are mostly responsible for disclosure or for disclosures, uh, the mechanism for writing IAM and bucket policies could be simplifies, simplified for less technical users. Right now, it is really easy to make a bucket open to everyone, and although AWS warns you, setting more restrictive policies for non-AWS user access, like sharing with a peer organization, could be simplified. I thought that was interesting because, again, Rich knows as much about AWS security as anyone out there, and I do. I think it's a good point that it's, you know, maybe it's a little too easy. Maybe it's. Maybe we're just, even though the, the default setting is totally private except for the, the account creator. And we should also note, Mike did a follow-up story where Amazon took a, a very proactive approach to this and started emailing customers and saying, hey, a reminder, you may have set these buckets publicly, uh, uh, searchable, share, or, or uh, a- accessible. You, you may not have meant to do it review your IAM policies. In fact, let me call up the email here because uh, yeah, they, they should do this. I'm not saying that they're at fault for, for these exposures. No, you can't, you can't blame Amazon for. But good on them for following up and at least making it clear and, and you know, if they look at things and say, hey, we could tweak the language here or tweak the settings to make it even more restrictive to, to not let users harm themselves. That may not be a bad thing. Uh, it says, by default, S3 buckets allow only uh, account, the account owner to read contents from the bucket. However, these uh, access control lists can be configured to permit world access. I love that term, world <laughs> access. While there are reasons to configure buckets with re- world read access, including public web- websites or publicly downloadable content, recently there have been public disclosures by third parties of S three bucket contents that were inadvertently configured to allow world read access, but were not intended to be publicly available. We encourage you to promptly review your S3 buckets 
and their contents to ensure that you are not inadvertently making objects available to users that you don't intend. Good for them. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what they should do. Uh, now let's get to the the real question before we wrap up. What's your over under on? Let's say uh, we we're recording this on a Thursday, July twentieth. We got another week and a half before the end of the month. Let's say end of August. How many more exposures do you think UpGuard or anyone else is going to find? You think we're think two for Amazon? Yeah. At this point, I, I we've think been running about one a week the the past few weeks. Yeah, but given given that they sent out that email, yep, I'm gonna say that's what I'm asking. Do you think it's gonna be effective? I think that we'll that we'll have at least one more. At least one. So Amazon. you're gonna take the under on two. Sure. All right, I'm gonna take the over <laughs> on two. You think more than two? Yeah, I do. Okay, I do. And. If if it's exactly two, well then uh, then we we neither one of us buys uh, you know lunch. We'll just buy our own lunches. Got it. Okay. All right. Sure. That by the end of the end of July, you're saying. End of August. And oh, end of August. Yeah, end of August. So yeah. So, oh, because we only got about a week and a half for end well, of July. So I'm gonna say two Amazon web services. Oh, don't hedge. No, because because I thought you were talking about the end of this month, but. If you t if, All right. if we got so six I'll put more the weeks. over under at two and a half. Okay, and yeah. I'll go three. Okay, and you go two. Oh, were you thinking maybe just two? I was thinking originally just two would be the safe bet since you said one, but uh, okay. So you price is writing me. No, no. I'll go. I'll go three. <laughs> okay. The line will be set at two and a half. Okay. If any if any listeners in there want some action. Now, do you think any DMS. other? Do you think any other cloud vendors are going to be? Uh, oh, I think that's coming. I do. Yeah. I mean, we've already been contacted by some, shall we say, uh, 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 folks in the security community and some vendors that say that they have info. One yeah, in particular said that they have uh, embargo data that will be coming. Well, that's probably so a black hat. The embargo. Oh, OK. So, week. yeah, next week. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So. So I agree. I think at least one other. So you say there. but you say two. I you said you said two between now and the end of August. Don't go back on your bet. Oh, two with Amazon. Yeah. Two Amazon yeah. Uh, exposures. Yeah. yeah. But, but more in general. But yeah, I think we're going to see more in general from more from, from vendors other than right. cloud vendors other than That's Amazon. Too bad. And I don't think that they're going to be uh, uh, the fault of the cloud vendor. I think it's going to be similar. Well, we'll find out. We will. I can't oh, wait. I'm sure you can't. That hamburger is going to taste so <laughs> good. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Uh, well, thank you for joining me for this lively discussion about <laughs> people exposing their data and customer data inadvertently and uh, and uh, engaging in a little wagering. It's always good to be here. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Search Security out there. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.